Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack Warriors. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 173. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Auxiliary Bishop Robert Barron of Los Angeles is the face and voice for nice Catholicism in America. This week, we're going to listen to His Excellency and see why he's that face. The COVID lockdowns and mandates hurt everyone financially. Nearly all of you lost money and many lost their jobs. I learned this in email conversations with some of you. I learned that many of you are looking for ways to avoid financial worries when this happens again, and make no mistake that the tyrants in government will make sure it happens again. The number of Americans searching for ways to earn an income online has exploded. Some need to replace the jobs they lost. Others want to build an online income to be prepared for when it happens again. Some just want the freedom from being threatened financially again. 
stay-at-home moms want to supplement the household income without working outside the home. I get it. The problem is the average person has no earthly idea where to start. I've been spending countless hours researching ways to earn an online income with the help of some friends. I've come up with a bevy of income avenues and reputable courses to help you. Consequently, I've come up with a separate email list for people who want this information. When I gave this opportunity to people on my other email list, the response was overwhelming. So if you want to get the valuable information I'm collecting about how to make money online, just click on the link in my show notes that says, Show Me How to Make Money. I'll begin helping you right away. Before I begin, there are two things I need to say. First, many of you have embarrassed me, and worst of all, you've embarrassed yourselves. Only one person out of 64,000 acted to feed the war victims in Ukraine. You didn't even have to spend a dime. All you had to do was make a few clicks to help fend off starvation of the elderly, children, and their mothers. Shame on you. Shame on you. Without turning off for this episode, open another tab in your browser right now. Go to cantankerouscatholic.com. Click on the Episodes tab in the navigation bar, then click on this episode. Scroll down through the show notes until you see a link that says Give to Feed Ukrainian War Victims Podchaser. Click on that link and review this show. I don't give a damn if you rate this show with only one star to say I'm the worst podcast host ever. This isn't about me or this show. It's about feeding war victims, so do it right now. Podchaser and Captivate will donate 50 cents for each review you do. If everyone does a review, we can be responsible for sending over $30,000 to feed Ukrainian war victims. The second thing I want to do is remind you that June will be Toxic Mail Month. We're having Bishop Strickland, Father Robert Altier, Michael Voris, and even a Catholic lawyer talk about cases going through the court system regarding LGBT things. And very soon we'll have coffee mugs and t-shirts for both men and women so you can begin promoting Toxic Mail Month. Sorry, I'm not having swag for the other 37 genders. Now to the main topic. In September of 2020, Cameron Bertuzzi of Capturing Christianity asked Bishop Robert Barron if he should become Catholic. They also touch on whether non-Christians can be saved and the rationale of denying the Eucharist to non-Catholics. Based on other guests he's had on his show and the conversations in the interviews, Cameron Bertuzzi is obviously not anti-Catholic. He seems to have an affinity for the Catholic Church. But he's never going to embrace the fullness of truth in the Catholic Church because of Catholics like Bishop Barron and other Catholics of his ilk. I'm going to play for you three and a half minutes of a discussion between Bertuzzi and Bishop Barron. Then I'll come back to comment on it. Should I become Catholic? Uh, yes, is my blunt answer. Uh, now, Why? if you want to press that, because it's the fullness of truth, and I want to share that with you. It's uh, something I've come to love and reverence as the fullness of truth. And stay with Cardinal George, all the gifts Christ wants his people to have. Why wouldn't I want to share those with you? 
Why wouldn't I want to offer all that to you? Um, now, if you want to press the issue, does that mean I'm damned? No, no, that's not Catholic teaching. You know, that a non-Catholic, even a non-Christian can be saved. Now, my critics, please listen to what I'm saying and not saying. I'm not saying will be saved. I have no hesitation. They can be saved. That's the, the Catholic teaching. So if you, I wouldn't press it so much immediately in that direction. I would say I've got something I found so beautiful and so compelling, and of course I want to share it with you. Yeah, let's let's talk more about that. You said that in Catholic teaching, you can't non Christians can be saved. Where is that? Where is that in the in Catholic teaching? Uh, Lumen Gentium sixteen. So at the Second Vatican Council. Um, that Jesus is the fullness of salvation. If anyone's saved, he or she is saved through Christ. But there are participations in the grace of Christ on offer, even in other Christian religions, even in non-Christian religions. Vatican II goes so far as to say, even in a non-believer of goodwill, following his conscience, is in fact following and responding to the grace of Christ, though he doesn't clearly know that. So John Henry Newman, for example, calls the conscience the aboriginal vicar of Christ in the soul. Beautiful description. Um, it is, in fact, Christ calling me to be a, an upright person and so on. So one can be saved in these indirect ways by means of a participation in the grace of Christ. That would be Catholic teaching. So th that seems on the face of it, and maybe maybe it's not at, at a, like a sort of deeper level, but that seems to be in conflict. When I go to Catholic Mass as a Protestant, I can't partake in the Eucharist. Why Why is that? If, if non-Catholics no, yeah, non can be saved. For you. That's out of respect for you. Because when I, as a Catholic priest, hold up the transubstantiated host and I say the body of Christ, I'm proposing to you what Catholics uh, hold this to be. When you say amen, you're saying, I agree to that. I accept that. I respect your lack of belief in it. So I'm not going to put you on the spot and say the body of Christ and force you to say amen. So I, I turn that around. I don't think it's Catholics being inhospitable. I think it's Catholics respecting the the non-belief of non-Catholics. I'm not going to compel you to say amen to that proposition until you're ready. You know, so I, I don't see it as, as aggressive or exclusive by any means. Hmm. And, you know, it's... Uh, I, I'd like to draw you into the fullness of Catholicism. That means the Mass, ultimately. Absolutely. So what I most want to share with you is the Eucharist. That's what I want to share with you. That's that's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. That's the fullest sign of his presence on earth. That's what I want to share with you. But it, but you're not you're not there. You don't accept it. I'm not going to put you on the spot. So no, no I, I don't read it at all as some kind of you know exclusive move. Let's begin with what His Excellency said about non-Catholics not being allowed to receive the Eucharist. He told Bertuzzi the reason the Church had that law is out of respect for the non-believer in the real presence. What a load of cow dung. The Church doesn't prohibit Protestants from receiving the Eucharist out of respect for them. It has nothing to do with them. The reason Protestants can't receive the Eucharist is to protect the real presence of Christ from being desecrated and a sacrilege being committed. In order to receive the Eucharist, the communicant has to be worthy. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 27-29, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. 
Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drank the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. The Catechism of the Catholic Church in paragraph 1400 says, Ecclesiastical communities derived from the Reformation, meaning Protestants, and separated from the Catholic Church have not preserved the proper reality of the Eucharistic ministry in its fullness. It is for this reason that Eucharistic intercommunion with these communities is not possible for the Catholic Church. No, Bishop Barron, Protestants aren't forbidden the Eucharist out of respect for them. They're denied the Eucharist out of respect for Christ in his Eucharistic presence and to protect them from sacrilege. And rest assured that Protestants like Bertuzzi will never embrace the fullness of the Catholic truth if you continue to lie to them and turn Catholic teaching into milk toast. Now let's turn to the first question Bertuzzi asked Bishop Barron. Should I become Catholic? The closest to truth that His Excellency came was to say, yes, is my blunt answer. Then he went all gooey and told Bertuzzi that he really didn't have to be worried about being damned, and he misinterpreted Lumen Gentium 16, either intentionally or out of ignorance, to express a Catholic teaching that isn't at all Catholic. I'm going to read Lumen Gentium 16, but first I want to read Lumen Gentium 14. It's important to read 14 in order to put 16 into context. Bishop Barron isolates Lumen Gentium 16 when using it to imply that Bertuzzi won't be damned, but that's as dishonest as when Protestants isolate a verse in Scripture, taking it out of context to make their heretical theological points. Here's what Lumen Gentium 14 says, basing itself on Scripture and tradition, the Council teaches that the Church, a pilgrim now on earth, is necessary for salvation. The one Christ is the mediator and the way to salvation. He is present to us in his body, which is the Church. He himself explicitly asserted the necessity of faith and baptism, and thereby affirmed that at the same time the necessity of the Church, which meant enter through baptism, is through a door. Hence they could not be saved, who, knowing that the Catholic Church was founded as necessary by God through Christ, would refuse either to enter it or to remain in it. Did you get that, Bishop Barron? The Catholic Church is necessary for salvation. You're partially correct about Lumen Gentium 16, though, Excellency. It says, those who, through no fault of their own, do not know the gospel of Christ or his church, but who nevertheless seek God with a sincere heart and, moved by grace, try in their actions to do his will as they know it through the dictate of their conscience, those too may achieve eternal salvation. Now let's examine this. The church has always taught that man's nature and his faculty of intellect obligates him to seek the fullness of truth. Do you think that anyone in America is incapable of finding the fullness of truth? Almost everyone in this country is capable of finding the fullness of truth. There are only a very few exceptions, and what Lumen Gentium 16 refers to is really only two types of people. In my weekly webinars when we discuss this, I give two hypothetical examples of people that Lumen Gentium 16 applies to. Let me give them to you here. 
The first hypothetical person I talk about is my little friend in the deepest, darkest regions of Africa. His name is Magumba. Magumba is a member of a primitive tribe that worships Magawe. Magumba has never heard of Jesus Christ or the Catholic Church, but he knows that Magawe is the creator of all things. Magawe teaches Magumba that it's wrong to worship any other god, wrong to lie, wrong to steal, and wrong to kill. In other words, through the dictates of his conscience and observation of natural law, Magumba and his tribe worship the same god we do, but with a different name. God won't damn a man like this, and that's one of the types of people Lumen Gentium 16 is talking about. Now let's talk about the other sort of person Lumen Gentium 16 is referring to. Let's say there's a little old lady in Podunk, Arkansas. She's a member of the Baptist Church of Podunk. She was married there, had her children baptized there, and buried her husband from there. She was baptized there as a child. Her parents were lifelong members there, and her grandparents were charter members of Baptist Church Podunk. She's never been outside of Podunk, and she eschews all forms of modern communication. So she doesn't have a cell phone nor access to the Internet. The only thing she knows about the Catholic Church are the anti-Catholic things her various pastors have said from the pulpit over the many years of her life. Now, if such a hypothetical person exists in America, she might possibly be capable of escaping damnation if she avoids sin and lives according to the dictates of her conscience. Do you think that Bertuzzi fits into that same classification as our little old lady from Podunk? Certainly not. And if this man dies without fully embracing the totality of Catholic truth, Bishop Barron will share in the guilt of Bertuzzi at his judgment. Why? Because God gave His Excellency a perfect opportunity to tell Bertuzzi absolute Catholic truth, but he watered it down to the point that the hapless Protestant sees no need to investigate the constant 2,000-year teachings of the Church. After all, the whole reason Bertuzzi had Bishop Barron on his show in the first place was because he sees the bishop as an authoritative voice for Catholic teaching. Bishop Barron is an authoritative choice for Catholic teaching, but he didn't give Bertuzzi actual Catholic teaching. He lied to Bertuzzi, either on purpose or out of ignorance, about the need to be a Catholic to save his soul and about why Protestants can't receive the Eucharist. There can only be two reasons why Bishop Barron would lie to Bertuzzi. Either he himself is faithless or he's a coward. I don't believe His Excellency is faithless because he gets too many other things right. Therefore, I'm accusing Bishop Barron of cowardice. He's afraid of advancing actual Catholic truth. Would Bertuzzi have been offended by what Bishop Barron had said if he'd given the man the actual Catholic teaching? Maybe. Probably. Who knows? Once Bertuzzi had been given the truth, what he did with it becomes a matter between him and God. If Bishop Barron had given the man the truth, he would have done his job as a successor of the apostles and a Catholic. As it is, he lied to the man. Truth by its very nature is offensive if you don't like that truth. Not all truth is offensive. For example, no one's offended that the law of gravity exists. It's not offensive because everyone accepts it. But truths that people don't want to accept or hear are offensive to them. If they take offense to any Catholic truth, that's not our problem. 
Our obligation to Almighty God is to tell the Catholic truth in all situations, whether people are offended or not, and that's all the more true for Catholic bishops. I'll be the first to admit that advancing Catholic truth is sometimes very hard, and it tempts us to our own cowardice. For example, your son gets married outside the Catholic Church. You have a moral obligation not to attend his wedding after informing him of the truth that he's committing a mortal sin. For you to attend his wedding would be a denial of Catholic truth, and it makes you complicit in his sin. Still, you'd be obligated to inform him of the truth, and you'd be obligated not to attend his wedding, and that would be a hard thing to do. In all cases of Catholic truth, we're dealing with souls and their eternal destiny. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before Christ at my judgment and find that I've been guilty of failing to advance Catholic truth. If Catholic truth is offensive, so be it. It's your moral obligation to be offensive. Here's something I'm going to shout loud and long. During the last two years, every Catholic parish and most businesses lost a ton of money because of the COVID lockdowns. Congress attempted to ease the revenue strain with the CARES Act, but it really did nothing for parishes and little for most businesses. Believe it or not, Congress is actually remedying that. They've not done a good job of getting the word out, but Congress has enhanced the ERTC portion of the CARES Act. If a parish or business has W-2 employees, part-time or full-time, they almost certainly qualify for the ERTC tax rebate. I'm working with a CPA firm that specializes in ERTC rebates to reach out to all parishes and Catholic-owned businesses I can. This is especially good for parishes with schools. All any parish or Catholic-owned business has to do is click the link in my show notes that says, ERTC Recovery, I Want My Money. Then just fill out the form on the website, and the CPA firm will determine if the parish or business qualifies. It costs nothing to get started, and the average tax rebate appears to be $150,000. So tell every priest and Catholic business owner about the expanded ERTC rebate and send them to my show notes. Remember, click the link on my show notes that says ERTC Recovery, I Want My Money. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to Fox News. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration over its decision to end Title 42, a move that both Republicans and Democrats have warned will lead to a dangerous influx of illegal immigrants. Title 42 measures are the only rules holding back a devastating flood of illegal immigration, according to the Texas suit. Let the fight begin! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to Breitbart. 
Laredo Sector Border Patrol agents thwarted nine human smuggling attempts involving the transport of large groups of illegal migrants in 18-wheelers during the last week. Agents apprehended nearly 500 migrants being smuggled by this method alone. In one incident, agents found 120 migrants in a tractor-trailer, including several unaccompanied children. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick pick number three. Hats off to the Washington Examiner. Twitter officials on Sunday met with Tesla CEO Elon Musk to discuss allowing him to purchase the company, according to the Wall Street Journal. Executives are reportedly still calculating how much Twitter is worth before their final decision on Musk's offer of $46.5 billion. Twitter will report its first quarter earnings on Thursday, and it's expected to have more to say about the deal then. Wow! That's just incredible! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number 2 Hats off to National Review. Randy Weingarten, president of the leading teachers' union American Federation of Teachers, suggested that parents' rights laws like Florida's could lead to war. Weingarten told an interviewer, This is propaganda. This is misinformation. This is the way in which wars start. This is the way in which hatred starts. You're wacko! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number One Hats off to Breitbart. Former President Donald Trump at a rally in Ohio Saturday spoke forcefully against teaching progressive sex and gender ideology to children in schools. Trump promised that the Republican Party would protect parents' rights by preventing teachers from talking to children about sexual matters without their parents' consent. The crowd spontaneously broke out in a chance of Save Our Kids, Save Our Kids, Save Our Kids. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. The lockdowns over the last two years have changed the way people earn or want to earn a living. A lot of people are wanting to set up online businesses for themselves in e-commerce. The problem is, most folks have no earthly idea how to start, and all the videos on YouTube that are supposed to tell you how to begin just whet your appetite. Well, now you can get the help you need. Peter Prue, a successful e-commerce entrepreneur, is the founder of E-Commerce Empire Builder Academy. He's offering a free webinar that explains how he's made a full-time living in e-commerce and what his academy's all about. So if you want to learn how to set up an online e-commerce business, click the link in my show notes that says E-Commerce Empire Builder Academy and register for the free webinar. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your Drill Sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. 
this boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. Continuing our look at sharing the faith, I want to talk about a great resource. In my book, The Lay Evangelist Handbook, will be a word-for-word presentation of how I present the faith to everyone, practicing Catholics, non-Catholics, and lapsed Catholics, and I include lots of supplementary information in the form of notations telling you what to say and do, as well as why to say and do it. It's unvarnished and blunt. I don't get namby-pamby, I don't water it down, and I don't make apologies for anything said. And you can be assured it most certainly isn't politically correct. My approach may disturb some listeners who think you have to be all gooey-nice, so I'll offer two defenses. The first defense for the way I do things is this. It works. My 30-plus years of successful experience proves that it works. I've had a let-the-chips-fall-where-they-may attitude and approach since I first began, and frankly, I don't know of any other lay evangelist who has experienced the level of success God has given me in helping people come home to Rome that doesn't do it this way. My methods certainly work best for me, and they work best for my evangelizing godchildren, too, so I suspect they'll work for you. My second offense, and clearly the best one, is that I'm merely imitating our founder. What I present is not nice Catholicism. Nice Catholicism is namby-pamby milk toast, a watered-down version of the faith where hard truths are left out or glanced over for fear of offending people. We leave out these hard truths at the risk of costing people their souls, maybe our own too. I don't practice nice Catholicism. Jesus wasn't nice in the things he said either. He was full of love, but love doesn't equate to being nice. He called men broods of vipers, white-painted sepulchers full of dead men's bones, hypocrites, liars, and chased them out of the temple by beating them with a whip. Despite that Jesus wasn't nice, he'd already developed quite a following of disciples before he even performed his first public miracle at the wedding feast in Cana. Why? Because truth sells, a lesson Madison Avenue, politicians, and, sadly, many Catholics in authority have never learned. People have an inherent need and desire for the truth, because the human mind was made for truth, the whole truth, not just partial truth. Nice Catholicism, worrying about truth being offensive to people and being politically correct, is the biggest reason why Catholics don't know their faith, why so many people leave the church, and why we aren't making converts these days. Did I mention that 6.5 people leave the church for everyone who joins? Truth is not controversial, and it's not possible for it to be offensive. Truth is truth, plain and simple. Truth may get folks emotionally worked up, but it's not controversial. Is 2 plus 2 equals 4 controversial? Of course not. But someone who doesn't want to face that truth may become emotionally charged. People like those folks are why there's still a flat earth society. No kidding, look it up. At the end of the day, truth remains truth. It's immutable. The best definition of truth is when the mind conforms to reality. 
It has nothing to do with subjectivism and everything to do with objectivism. Feelings don't come into play when dealing with the truth. You can stand on top of a 40-story building and shout, I don't believe in gravity. Then you can leap off the rooftop and repeat that ridiculous phrase all the way to the ground. Does your subjective opinion that gravity doesn't exist in any way alter the objective reality that it does? No. By the way, the person leaping off the roof will at some point between jumping and impact conform his mind to reality. Anyway, to get back to what I was saying, the presentation in the Lay Evangelist Handbook is exactly the way I present the faith. I've added notes here and there, provided all the references I can think of, and even provided for some anticipated questions from students and the proper responses. Remember, all of this stems from more than 30 years of experience. I've heard every question there is to ask, sane ones anyway, so it's rare when an inquirer catechumen can throw me a curveball. It does happen from time to time, though. Can I guarantee you'll make lots of converts using the lay evangelist handbook? No, I can't, because conversion is between the student and the Holy Spirit. In 30 years of doing this, I've never once asked a single inquirer if he wants to become a Catholic. Whether they convert or not is none of my business until the student decides to make it my business. You must always remember that you are merely a salesperson and the Holy Spirit is the closer. If the sale, or conversion, isn't made, it's either because the Holy Spirit has a future plan for the student or because the student's heart is hardened against any movement of the Holy Spirit. So it's important for you to understand that you haven't failed in your work if there's no sale. But here's what I can guarantee. If you'll share the faith as I've laid it out and follow my instructions in the Lay Evangelist Handbook, you'll earn graces beyond belief and take a huge step toward working out your salvation, as St. Paul said in Philippians 2.12. Remember that we aren't obligated to be successful, but rather only to perform the task God gives us to do. Success, as most people view it, isn't our job. That's a job left to God alone. Now, I want to digress here to mention something I think is important. It's so important, in fact, that you'll probably hear it again later in the future. While you need to know all you can about our holy and ancient faith, there's more to it than knowledge. You actually have to live it. Satan knows the faith better than you or I ever can. The greatest mind the church ever produced was St. Thomas Aquinas, and Satan knows the faith even better than he did. But what good does Satan's knowledge of Catholicism do him? He's still condemned to hell for all eternity. So in addition to becoming proficient in your knowledge of the faith, you have to apply it to your own life. If you want a life of total freedom, and I mean total freedom, to go where you want, live where you want without money worries, there's one skill that can give it to you. It's a skill so desired, so in demand, you could have an endless flow of money coming into your bank account every month and never leave your house. What kind of money am I talking about? Does six figures sound good to you? That's what some people who've discovered and mastered this skill are making without breaking a sweat. As for learning this skill, almost anybody can do it. 
It's a special kind of skill that once you've mastered it, it gives you the opportunity not only to earn as much money as you need, but from anywhere in the world for the rest of your life. I'll be brutally honest. There's simply no other way to gain total freedom and independence than learning a skill that rewards you tenfold. Just click the link in my show notes that says, here's your ticket to the good life to learn all about it. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom has gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from Pope Benedict XVI. He said, The world offers you comfort, but you were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. Carlo a big St. Bernard dog, belonged to a farmer named Miller. One day, the dog was stolen. Mr. Miller placed an ad in the newspaper for him, but didn't hear anything of the dog. Nancy, his little daughter, was heartbroken to lose her friend Carlo. She looked for him every day and called to him again and again, but Carlo never came. She feared she'd never see him again. Several weeks later, Mr. Miller took a load of vegetables to the city near his home, and Nancy went with him. As they drove slowly along a street, Nancy suddenly cried out, Look, Daddy, there's Carlo. Carlo, come here. Carlo was very happy to see his little friend and came running as soon as he heard her voice. He licked her and wagged his tail as if to say, Why didn't you come sooner? Just then, a fruit stand keeper came up and claimed the dog. He told Mr. Miller he'd bought the dog from a man who said he owned Carlo for a long time but couldn't afford to keep him anymore. Mr. Miller said, I'm sorry, but the dog belongs to me. He was stolen several weeks ago. But the fruit stand keeper wouldn't give up Carlo, so Mr. Miller took it before a judge. The judge had Carlo put by himself at one end of the courtroom and told the fruit stand keeper and Mr. Miller to go to the opposite end. You may call the dog first, the judge said to the fruit stand keeper. The man called the dog again and again, but the dog only moved about uneasily. Then the judge told Nancy to call the dog. Nancy called, Carlo, come here. The dog wagged his tail, rushed over to her, and put his head close to hers while she petted him. The judge knew at once that Carlo belonged to Nancy, so he said to Mr. Miller, Carlo is yours. You and Nancy can take him home with you. Carlo belonged to Nancy. The fruit stand keeper had no right to keep the dog, despite that he'd bought Carlo. Now that he knew who the real owner was, he was obligated to return the dog to Nancy without recompense. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.